Hello and welcome to Bygones, the Ali McBeal Rewatch Podcast. I'm Laura Jane Parker. And I'm Eleanor Parker. And we rewatch every episode of Ali McBeal through 2022 eyes. Yes, that 2022 is our eyes. Personal guarantee a lot of eyes. from us to you. <laughs> 2022 eyeballs. <laughs> We've got several of them. <laughs> our collection (laughs) we had an eyeball every year (laughs) we've got them in jars just stacked up in the pantry we get them every every time we watch an episode we get them all out oh dear no that's not what we do that's a lie uh yeah so back once again with the renegade master (laughs) Friday. Well, I feel like we're, I'm delirious. What's happening? A bit giddy. Laura Jane sleep deprived. It's all I am good. as usual. <laughs> that baby life. <laughs> that new mum yeah. life. <laughs> yes, yes. You'd think it would get better, and it does. But then it doesn't, and then it does, and then it doesn't. It's like a roller coaster. You never know what you're going to get on any given night. It's a lottery. <laughs> Such is the least fun lottery of all time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Ring the alarm. We've got two new patrons. So we've got Lisa Charlotte and JV Hampton Van Sant have recently signed up for our Patreon. Thank you so much for the support, guys. It is really appreciated. For anyone else who would like early episodes or access to our retrial segment, please, by all means, check out our Patreon. Anyway, thanks for the love, guys, and back to the show. So, what are we doing today? We are... You tell me. I don't know whether I'm backwards or forwards. No. Okay. Yeah. So today we are. Uh, go, oh, can, I'm always like, we're going to listen to, and then I'm like, no, we're not. <laughs> we, no. Today Mm-mm. we are going to be discussing um, episode ten of season four, uh, the X Files. That's E X Files. Have you ever seen that? Did you ever watch um, it? Nah, not, 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 not. I mean, like I saw bits and bobs, but never, I've never watched a whole episode. I don't all think all the way through. It's good. I should watch it. I know it's meant to be good, mm. but I've never watched it. There are it. some episodes like, that like, are proper disturbing, like. Uh, I thought you were going to say, proper disgusting. Well, I was like, that, mm-hmm. that too, like, um, there <laughs> oh, are episodes that are like... Bleh. I've never been that into sci-fi, to be honest. I don't know why. Have you not? I mean, I it, mm. I think definitely I came to sci-fi later. Um, but I think, yeah, I think in my teens, I was more like supernatural, interested in the supernatural kind of like... I like, like, comedy... And- yeah, that stuff's all right, but I like, um, I just don't like, I don't know, I like, um, what's the word? I like comedy sci-fi, like Red Dwarf or oh, yeah. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. Um, but like, 
but but Serious like sci-fi. earnest sci-fi. <laughs> I'm like, but it's not real though, is it? It's just fucking aliens, and they're not real, or that we know of. I don't know. I mean, I actually do believe there is alien life form out there, but not as depicted on something like the X Files. No, but like anything, it's uh, it's you know, an allegory for something real. Yeah, yeah. I just, I guess, vampires are more interesting. I, I, I totally get because I definitely used to have an aversion to things like Star Trek and Star Wars and things like that. But I definitely think with the reboots of um, uh, uh, those franchises, I've come to like like a lot of it. And um, yeah, I've watched. So what you're saying is they need to reboot the X Files again because they did a reboot of the X Files, but they need to do another one. Yeah, they did. I mean, I I think the X Files is fine as it is. It doesn't need any Just rebooting. Just leave, leave it, there. it. Go go visit it leave. in the nineties. Uh, it's great. Just stay stay. Leave it there. <laughs> Much like Ali McBeal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I think yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, but things like I really like Star Trek Discovery. I like the recent Star Wars films. Um, yeah, they're all right. They're just not like I'm not like super mad on them do you know what i mean i'm not like oh my god i really loved i'll tell you what i really loved let me just double check otherwise i'm going to embarrass myself yes so um liam introduced me to battlestar galactica oh that is brilliant that is it's a great is it yeah it's so fucking good um and i really really love that a lot um i definitely recommend that seen the it's just it's just like like westerns i've never been into like there are just certain you know genres what? that i'm like yeah i no, guess I, but no but i totally get like and whenever i watch one of them, them i'm never like oh i hate it i'm just never like oh i love it either yeah, Do you know what i mean like, i'm just I, like yeah it was totally, all right you know yeah, i totally get your aversion like because i have a similar thing with westerns where i'm like it's just the whole aesthetic makes me like just dirty what if, yeah, I just want to have a shower it's all dusty I feel like I need dusty. a drink of water <laughs> like, yeah that's how I, I feel, feel about it. dehydrated just looking at it <laughs> I'm like no like they're, they're either dusty or they're muddy or they're chasing like culturally insensitive Indians I'm like no thank you <laughs> no I totally get it I totally I get being put off by like an aesthetic of a genre but i'd say something like um battlestar galactica is very it's like almost like grungy sci-fi it's not like your sleek star trek um okay everything looks almost like sterile yes yeah where everything looks like sleek and sterile and like yeah like unrealistically so um yeah. Battlestar Galactica feels like a more realistic sci-fi. It's very okay. Yeah, okay. like it's it's good. It's really, really good. Um Well there you go. On way off track. This <laughs> is, there's no aliens in this uh episode. No, no, there's not. Um, but there are X's. So the X Files first aired on the 15th of January 2001. <laughs> We interrupt this program for Eleanor's cultural stuff. Brought to you by the Naughties. The other decade, more problematic than it looks. God, what was happening then? Um, so 
so the US number one is uh, still Destiny's Child and Independent Women. Like, um, oh, years, and it will probably be there for a hundred years more. And no, <laughs> things move on. <laughs> the UK number one, I'll give you the yes. artist, uh, Rue de Silva featuring Cassandra. Oh, I feel like I will know this, you but will. I don't. It's not coming to mind. It's, Go um, tell me. Touch me in the morning. Oh, I'm yeah. The last thing at night. Yeah, 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 touch yeah, yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's the UK number one. 18th of January, Channel 4 launches E4, a digital entertainment channel at 8.15. Oh, and it still continues it's still today. Going. Yeah. Ah. Um, 18th of January, uh, President Bill Clinton delivers his farewell address to the nation. Oh, my gosh. Uh, 19th of yes, January. Yes, of course, because they will have inaugurated yeah. George W. Well, he, yeah. he... Yeah, so 19th of January, uh, Donnie Darko premieres at the Sundance Film Festival. Oh, I remember that, yeah. I've still not watched Donnie Darko all the way through. <laughs> oh, I've attempted to watch it twice and fallen asleep twice whilst watching. Well, that was it. like me with the Matrix. Yeah, except I have now watched it. Yeah, I, it's All weird because right. I, you know, the I've wanted to watch it and then I've just fallen asleep whilst trying to watch it, which is really bizarre because I don't normally fall asleep watching films. Yeah, that is weird. Um, yeah. So I'm just kind of like, maybe I'm destined just to never watch it. I don't know. Um, yeah, there comes a point where you've got to be like, I give up. I let it go. <laughs> you've had your chance to hold my attention and you failed Only twice. Twice, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and lastly, I've got 20th of January, uh, George W. Bush is sworn in as the 43rd President of the United States. <sighs> That was before I watched presidential inaugurations. I've watched all of them since Obama, I think. Okay. I basically only got into US politics once I went to and lived in America. That's that's when I was like, okay, this is now interesting, you know. That Republican (laughs) guy's on his way out and this guy looks cool. Yeah. And then from then on, I was interested. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there we go. Right. Well, I guess I guess it's time to find out what these X files are that have landed on our desk. <laughs> <laughs> Let's crack them open and have a look. Let's do it. So we start with Vonda doing a rousing rendition of Gimme that, gimme that, gimme gimme, gimme that, gimme that thing, gimme that thing, gimme that, gimme that thing, gimme that, gimme, gimme that, gimme, gimme, gimme that thing, that thing. Um, yeah, so she sings that as we see some, like, Boston at night shots, um, and they all sort of culminate in, um, a restaurant where Richard and John have taken their women's, Ling and Melanie, (laughs) out to dinner on a double date, except it's a triple date because Ling's friends, Lisa and Randy, who we have never met before, are also there. And it turns out that Lisa and Randy are getting married in mere days. And I was like, so why are they spending some of that time dining with these chumps? Like, <laughs> haven't they got things to do? Are you not um, But anyway, 
Um, Richard is making them feel super uncomfortable by commenting that they don't seem nervous. And he says if he was getting married in two days, you know, puke city, not that Lingarama wouldn't make an excellent wife. And then he's like, what are your thoughts? You seem quiet. Um, And it's just all very uncomfortable and awkward um and then this interrogation is interrupted by melanie ticking woo at which ling is ling is sort of changes the subject and goes i think tourette's is so cool it'd be so great to just annoy people like that you you whoop and twitch do you have any other good ones and melanie just deadpans sex and at this john chokes on his drink as melanie goes on to explain that there is hyperactivity involved that can be released through ticks but also through sex and she says she's planning on relieving herself later and then john starts stuttering <laughs> Poughkeepsie, and melanie copies and then she goes Poop! and john immediately does the same and, Mil- and melanie says like really happily like we've totally picked up on each other's ticks it's so cute and then she asks ling which friend she is randy or lisa's And Ling says that she's Lisa's friend now, which is why Lisa's asked her to be a bridesmaid, but she actually used to be engaged to Randy. Um, But Richard, I mean, it might explain why he's acting up in this sort of dinner, but he's still hung up on Melanie's revelation and tries to go back to, oh, what were you saying about sex? But John tries to stop him by going, Richard, and Richard insists that it's an issue, John, let's talk about it. What if she whoops during? Is it you? Is it the Tourette's? A man has to know what's making his woman scream. Am I right? (laughs) Randy, you seem awfully quiet, by the way. Of course, I'd be a little stiff if I were getting married. Are you sure she's the right one? Because honestly, I don't see it. How how are things with you and Ling? Pretty tepid, I bet. I should say hope. And everyone is just like silent at this. (laughs) incessant inane babble and Richard just goes thoughts anybody the floor is open and then we're in titles it's just like yeah uh I wonder whether this is like indication that (laughs) the more I wonder whether it's like a sign of like Richard is nervous that he's rambling on like this I don't know I think so so but then I also get the sense that the show is trying to show him as being like completely unbothered about the fact that Ling used to be engaged to Randy but because we don't really get much more of that it's very much like the lady doth protest too much oh yeah 100% that's what I took from it (laughs) yeah no for sure um so anyway um after titles we are with Ali and she is at Larry's office putting what I can only call a monstrosity on her head. Um, I think we need a fashion moment. Um, it is a beige brown, like bucket shaped hat, um, but it's got like a dark brown twig pattern yeah. all over it. Oh, it's so. It's and like, she's she looks like a scarecrow. She's paired it. Yeah, and she's paired it with a brown blouse with yellow, orange, beige and magenta large like polka dots all over it and it's what's the word hideous yes that's the word (laughs) you know what i think i was so transfixed by her hat i missed her shirt like i don't remember her shirt at all um it was it sounds horrible. i mean my eyes my eyes yeah um so anyway she asked larry if he likes the hat and he's like um no no um, have you uh, considered several birds might try to nest on it at the same time and they could fight, die, and nature could suffer? And Ali is like, yes, that's the first question I posed. And Larry goes, Ali, hats like this, they eventually bear fruit. <laughs> <laughs> and then she, uh, 
she um she forgives him for being rude about her hat because they're just bantering and she tells him he's very funny and goes in to have a little kiss but then larry bumps his head on her like the rim of her hat (laughs) a witchy breathlessly sighs first rim job which i absolutely got forward at i thought it was so funny and quite unusual to have rim job mentioned on like prime time tv i mean considering um, they have to say make love instead of i know i wonder whether that was in the scripts or whether robert downey jr just like slipped one in one there so to speak um but yeah but anyway then ali tilts her head to the side to actually get close get the right angle to actually kiss him only to be rudely interrupted by everyone's favorite ex-wife jamie barging in again <laughs> actually not even ex-wife just ex isn't it yeah it's ex she's she not ne- his they wife never they never married, married. She's, just, she's just his baby mama that's all <sighs> yeah that's so she all you barges are, in jamie, and don't forget it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, literally, when she came in, I was like, "Jamie, why are you here?" Yeah, I like literally I like, screamed I at the TV. Banished, Jamie. Like, yeah, banished. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's like this. Yeah, get back to Detroit. <laughs> so there's this like swishing noise as Ali whips her head around, and then another one when she like takes off the hat and like tosses it in the bin. <laughs> um, and then Jamie apologises for barging in after they say their hellos. Um, and then she asks if she can speak to Larry alone for a second. And Ali is clearly not feeling happy about this. Um, but she just tries to like breeze it off again. And is like, oh, uh, well, yeah, I uh, I have to um, work. I was just, um, I have to um, work. Uh, see you later. And she basically bumbles her way out of there and leaves them to it. And once Jamie and Larry are on their own, Jamie drops a bombshell that she has decided to move to Canada with Sam so that she can be near her family. And because it involves taking Sam out of the States, Larry needs to sign off on it. And poor Larry is just there like, what? What? <laughs> what? Just like flawed. Mm. As he would be. Yes. Like, what? No. Um, <clears throat> this feels totally like a manipulation on... Jamie's part in Hundo P. my humble opinion. Hundo P. Yes. So, of course, Ali, meanwhile, has gone straight to Renee's office because, of course, she doesn't have to go to work. Don't be silly. Have you met Ali? <laughs> <laughs> so, she's telling Renee what just happened. And Renee's like, well, why is she back? Uh, what? Renee's outfit? Oh, sorry. No, I... Uh, yes, I do remember, but I didn't write it down. You do a fashion moment okay. for Renee. So, fashion moment for Renee... She's wearing, I mean, talk about <laughs> headwear. It's quite like, 60s or 70s inspired, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's like, it, it, she's got like a stripy purple, white, blue and silvery grey shirt and matching headscarf. Um, <laughs> just look. It's like that 70s, like, swirly <laughs> pattern, well, isn't I it? Looked, well, I looked at like, because I paused it, because I was like, is it swirly or is it stripy? And when I looked at it, it looks like the, the shirt is striped, like a diagonal stripe. But when oh, she's cut, because yeah. obviously your headscarf has to go round your head, it makes whole it look head. kind of swirly on her head. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I think the actual pattern is like stripes, but it just doesn't look that way when okay. it's on the headscarf. Um, it just it's very odd attire for an office yeah well I was just like I guess like headwear was really in 
in this moment because wasn't it last episode Renee was wearing that huge trilby? <laughs> <laughs> I do remember the huge trilby, and obviously Ali's got this hideous hat yeah, exactly. tossed I'm in the like, bin. So clearly what the it's fuck? a thing at the moment. <laughs> Someone in wardrobe was like really going nuts in the accessories department. <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah, Renee's wearing an outfit, that's for sure. Um, so yeah, and anyway, so she's, and Renee's like, well, why is she back? And Ali is like, I don't know, I left. And Renee's like, did you have to leave or did you just run out of the room? <laughs> and Ali's like, I had to leave because Jamie wanted to have a moment. And then she goes, you know, Renee, despite my many, 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 many character flaws, jealousy is not one of them. I was able to work in the same office with Georgia and she was married to the first ass I ever sniffed. Now I am actually, and Renee finishes off by saying, you are feeling jealous. And Ali admits like, yes, with this woman I am, but I don't know why. And then she says, one could argue that she is the last person I should be jealous of. I mean, they have a child together. If there is something between them, they would work it out. But she oozes something that makes me crazy. Um, And as Ali's been talking, Renee has taken a pencil out of her stationery mug. And then at this point comes around her desk and asks Ali to open up. And she puts it in her mouth and tells her to bite down on it. And once she's done so, Renee tells her, if you trust him, then just let it be. If you start acting out all nuts, you are doing more damage that way. So just cling to what you know and tough it out through what you feel and everything will be okay. And then Ali just like chomps through the whole pencil. (laughs) And I was like, because life without Larry is like that pencil. Pointless. (laughs) (laughs) But like completely changed her tune from last time she's odd yeah like no she's behaving oddly no no consistency here (laughs) no it's like the writers have forgotten who she is it's almost like the writer is not keeping track of his character's emotional lives at all (laughs) almost as if yes um so back at Cajun Fish John and Richard are arriving and John has followed Richard into his office to tell him that he was totally out of line vis-a-vis dinner last night um and Richard says that he was just trying to make conversation but John points out that he engaged in inappropriate vulgarity by talking about him having sex with Melanie and then Richard butts into John's ticking off by asking well have you had it yet to which John stutters that never mind I don't even know her well enough yet and Richard is like Melanie brought it up and John's like yeah as a joke and then he also tells Richard off for what he said to Randy um and you know that if he was getting married he would want to puke and Richard just goes he looked green but John is like unacceptable and walks off saying I'm gonna see you when I get back and Richard's like oh back from where and John says that Melanie wants him to stop by and watch one of her classes because she's reading a chapter from her new book But then he reiterates that Richard has been unacceptable as he walks off. And Richard goes, fine, next time you make the conversation. (laughs) So Richard, you don't have to fill a silence. Like, silence is better than anything you could possibly bring to the table to fill it with. (laughs) But, like, why is John, like, constantly surprised by Richard's, like, shitty behaviour? It's like... I know. Asking inappropriate questions at dinner is like the least of it, John. (laughs) Yes. On a scale of like shitty behaviour, this is really down the mild end for Richard. (laughs) I know. It's not even like, you know, 
um he he knows Lisa and Randy that well or is ever going to see them again like why he's so het up about it I don't know but anyway meanwhile in Ling's office Lisa is there visiting Ling to tell her that she has uh picked up her wedding dress and it's perfect and it's gorgeous and she's thrilled and yada 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 um and Ling however is like sees right through this and is like you didn't really come all this way to give me just good news what's wrong and Lisa comes clean and is like I don't know how to say this without sounding totally insane. You know how I always said that I'm totally fine with your history with Randy? Well, that's a lie. I'm a little threatened. I'm concerned that deep down, you're still the one he loves. Julianne rhymes. Yeah. Still the one I run to. The only one I run to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but Ling's like, what? And Lisa's like, I saw you two look at each other last night and something just hit me. Even though you and Randy were seven years ago, I lay in bed awake all night thinking, my God, I'm his second choice. And it's like, (laughs) anyone who's ever had a previous relationship, you could say that. Like, oh my God, I'm their second choice. I'm their fifth choice. It's like, no point. I'm his 64th choice. That's not how it works. Like you haven't met, it's not like when you start dating, you like look at everyone in the world and go, I choose you to start with and then we'll see how we go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but so Lucy yeah, Ling tries everyone's first choice, let's be honest. Oh yeah, no, obviously. But um, Ling tries to reassure Lisa that this is what we call pre-wedding day panic. But Lisa asks how the two of them ended because neither of them have ever said... And Ling's like, sweetie, I dumped him. And Lisa's like, did it did it break Randy's heart? And Ling just says, well, I do that sort of thing. I'm sure he's mended. I love the way he's like, I'm not sure that's, that's as reassuring as she him. thinks it is. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's exactly. not a reassuring answer, Ling. <laughs> no. Oh, so I am his second choice. Oh, okay. At least I know, you know. <laughs> Oh, so he didn't choose to leave you. You chose to... Oh, okay, that's so not reassuring. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Ling. Um, so back with Larry, and he is not okay. Um, he's basically, yeah, just protesting to Jamie's news um, by ripping a new one out of Canada because he's like, it's another country, you know. People talk funny in Canada and forget drugs and guns. People up there are into hockey. Jamie's like not finding that funny at all and just going oh well that's clever but then Larry's asking what the schools are like and Jamie points out that he never worried enough to ask that about Detroit and Larry's like I don't want my son raised in Canada Jamie and Jamie's like why not and Larry says because it's bad enough that he's in Detroit and then Larry sits down and sighs and it's like what's there and Jamie says his grandparents and his cousins are there and Larry's like yeah on your side and Jamie counters that, well, he's had no connection to your side. He's barely had a connection to you. And Larry looks really pissed at that. And she quickly apologizes and says she shouldn't have said that. And she says that it would be better for Sam to get out of the city and better for her. She says, Detroit's on the border of Canada anyway. You're just having an emotional reaction. And then Larry spits out, uh, please don't say that. Like, I'm not entitled to it, Jamie. You want to take my kid out of the country. Allow me to react with some emotion. And Jamie asks if being closer to him is really an issue, then why the hell isn't Larry in Detroit? And this is what I want to know. I want to know why, if he's so worried about being close to Sam, why is why is he not in Detroit? 
He misses Sam so much. Why is he not in Detroit? I wonder whether it is to get away from her. Like, he he wanted to get away from her. Uh, that's my theory yeah. but it's not something he ever says really no but I know it, I, I but feel it, I like do find maybe that he felt like a big unanswered question I mean I think the fact that you know whenever she pops up like uh, he he you know f- there's immediately like a conflict there's immediately like friction drama there's immediately yeah. like she's cracking onto him and clearly trying to manipulate him and you know and I just think like uh potentially you know that obviously when you live in the same city as someone like that who you can't just cut off because they're the mother of your child like Mm. it's hard I can imagine it being hard to move on romantically with that person being so close um, yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. You know, them having such toxic, easy access to you by being in the same city. So I, true, I can imagine that's my theory, but it it's not something that I don't I don't think he ever speaks on it really. I'm just like fascinated, not fascinated. I just, I guess, I judge very harshly men who just fuck can off just out leave. of their kids' lives and rarely yeah. see them. And given that Larry's, we've met Larry and we like Larry and we think he's great. I'm like, how do I reconcile that with my view that men who just fuck off away from their children and rarely see them as shitbags? Like, how do I reconcile the fact that I love Larry, but he's also a shitbag for not seeing his son? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I I think it's, (laughs) I mean, I think the thing is, is we know nothing about how often he sees Sam, like, because it's not. Well, we know enough to know that he's always like, well, we know enough to know that he's like never sees him at Christmas, and I'm just like that seems big. Like, surely that's a moment of the year where you would, even if it's not Christmas Day, you'd see him around that time. Do you know what I mean? Well, I feel like it shows that, like, I I think Jamie sounds like she is a really toxic person. Like, if you, I think probably you, the answer is Jamie. To, if you're supposed to be co-parenting with someone, like then you co-parent and you let them, yeah. you know, you be, you play fair with the time you let them your see. child has. I, f- you I, know, and I was going to say, like, I think our, the answer host, is... I'll host them for Christmas this year and you host them for Christmas next year and so that it's fair, so that we both get Christmases yeah. with our son. I do you know? think having met Jamie and seen what she's like, especially in this episode as well, but also previously... Um, I think the answer is likely she has been very controlling over who, when Sam sees, and it may not even be overtly, it may be she's dropped hints and Sam's like got an aversion to going to see Larry because of stuff she said about him. Do you know what I mean? Well, I, I think it's more kind of like she uses, she's clearly, like to me, I think all of this is an emotional manipulation and I think yes, that I agree. she and I and I think this is not the first time she's well, we know it's not the first time she does it. She clearly uses their son to try and emotionally manipulate Larry. And get Larry back. Yeah. Yeah, and, and get Larry to do the thing she wants Larry to do. So it's just kind yeah. of like I can imagine if you know, you you know that you will never be truly happy with this person in a relationship. So you need to get away from them. You need to move on with someone else. 
like yeah and they're not letting you go for the sake of your own like emotional well-being like yeah trying to, uh, yeah I cannot imagine what it must be like trying to navigate like a civil relationship with someone who is quite toxic whilst they basically yeah. hold your child hostage they've Do got you know all the cards I mean? yeah exactly yeah I know. Well, anyway, yeah. So she asks if, you know, if being close to him is the problem, then why aren't you just in Detroit? Um, so then Larry gets pissed off at this and drops his glasses on the table. But this time Jamie's like, no, I'm not sorry for that one because it's the question that keeps going unsaid. He's like, they have courts there. Sorry. She's like, they have courts there and law firms. And from my perspective, I only see one reason you have for living in Boston. Are you in love with her? And Larry's like, yes. And then he goes, is this about getting me back? And Jamie's like, no, it's about giving Sam a sense of family, a sense he doesn't have at the moment. And I was like, oh, she's really dealing some cards here. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? I um, think this is absolutely a manipulation to try and get him back. So I hate her. Yeah, Someone, <laughs> yeah I hate her too. Someone who isn't playing any games is Melanie over at her class because instead she is reading a story and John is just like creepily watching at the back on a kid's like, chair like in what world are teachers allowed to let their boyfriends come and watch them be in a classroom with like little children well <laughs> we'll come back to that because i've got things to say so no, yeah john is like creepily <laughs> creepily watching at the back um and she's reading her story so it, she's saying it wasn't so bad having two heads the head called Sally could eat ice cream, while the head could Sarah called Sarah could eat cake. Sally could read, while Sarah could watch TV. And best of all, they could always keep each other company. But the problem was, while Sally was good, Sarah was sometimes very, very bad. One day, during nap time, Sarah wasn't really asleep. She had one eye open, and she saw Sally was asleep. Sarah picked up a sharp pencil and raised it and then Melanie goes woo like screams and at this John is triggered to scream in reaction at which the whole class whip around their heads together to stare at him and John apologizes for interrupting so then Melanie continues however as she continues she doesn't really notice that there's this like woman that works for the school has come in to like observe her and it's I don't know, you get the vibe that she's like her boss or something a bit later. So like this woman comes in um, and then Melanie's saying, and she brought the pencil closer and closer to Sally who lay there sleeping unaware. And then Sarah smiled. And then this kid interrupts shouting, and she stabbed Sally in the throat. Which means all the kids start screaming and running to the door. (laughs) But even more funny is so does John. And this, like, boss teacher is like, what the fuck is going on? And Melanie's like, hey, 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 that is not what happened. Nobody got stabbed. Come back and sit down. And at this point, the boss teacher asks to speak to Melanie. And she's like, oh, but I'm I'm in the middle of a class. But the senior, like, teacher is like, oh, it's only going to take a minute. Um, and then she turns to John and she goes, um, can you just monitor the class until we come back? And I was like, what? Because you cannot just leave classrooms of minor 
children under the care of random visitors. Like, Johnny hasn't had a criminal record check as far as she... I mean, he probably has, but she doesn't know that. Do you know what I mean? She hasn't checked his credentials to make sure that I he's mean, not a threat. I, like, I, I what's was the fuck? I was convinced when she came in, she was going to be like what's going on here and like kick him out not making the not, yeah. not make him not be like oh you can adult. do her job instead <laughs> I was like what the fuck lady what kind of school is this as, as someone who is now looking into like leaving their child with professional child care providers I'm like you better hope to fuck that they're not just turning to some random parent or random parent's friend and being like, oh, you can just watch these kids while I go to the loo, can't you? I mean, while I have a fag break. Like, no, thank you. Oh my God, it was crazy. Christ. I mean, that really was pre-9-11. Jesus. Um, So yeah, so yeah, so John just turns to Melanie as she's on her way out going, um... Children frighten me. <laughs> Melanie's like, oh, you'll be fine. Just read them a story. So Melanie and this other teacher leave and John goes to the front of the class and he's clearly like completely out of his depth. And he sits down and he just goes, hello, in a really small voice. And they're, all these children are just staring at him in the way that they do. And he's like, well, let's see here. Once upon a time... Um... There's this little train that went chugging down the track. Choo-choo. And his nose then whistles. <laughs> and he goes, okay, that wasn't the train. That was a uh, begip, begip. Uh, it was from the Bronx. But before he can continue, a kid goes, oh, why did it do that? And John's like, what? And the kid's like, uh, begip, begip. I've never heard of a train doing that. And before John can answer, the kid that said that Sally got stabbed goes, you're a boring little man. And John's like, I am not boring. I am meek. And there is a difference. And the kid goes, why are you meek? It's not attractive. And John's like, well, when I was a child, I misbehaved. And what you children probably don't know yet is that when children misbehave, there's a tradition in this country their parents go into their rooms at night and snip off their toes. I don't know why, it's a big secret. Kept from all children, especially the ones with the big mouths. So he does this like pointed look at the girl who called him boring. <laughs> and he goes, They always get their toes hacked off. Mine were shocked. It rendered me meek. Usually happens on the sixth birthday. Snip, snip, snip. And then the kid who called John boring screams and John's like, Not so boring now, am I, you little snot? (laughs) Okay, I think I'm going to throw in my objection here because I'm like, look, it's one thing. (laughs) (laughs) Telling like kids like funny stories, but he is actively trying to like traumatizing <laughs> yeah i yeah. think that's on like you need to be the bigger person here john you are the literal grown-up <laughs> well see i my objection remains with the fucking senior teacher but and melanie to an extent for letting this happen like this is what happens when you leave people who aren't professional child carers look after children they traumatize they them traumatize whether they mean them. to or not <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, he very definitely meant to, and that's a problem. Yeah. 
so at that, Melanie comes back in the room and John's like, oh, uh, Melanie, they're all yours. Uh, Lucy seems upset. (laughs) (laughs) But Lucy, it turns out, is not the only one because he realises that Melanie is very tearful as she says, we have to go. I was just fired. And she like pulls John out of the room. Cut to... John in court, all guns blazing about Melanie's firing. And he's like on a roll being like, to be discharged for a disability is flat out against the law. It's illegal. It's not allowed. It's prohibited. And at this point, we see that the lawyer for the school, I am very pleased to say, it's John Michael Higgins. He is back. <laughs> and he is here in all of his discomfort and glory. Um, and he's going, Your Honour, I'm not comfortable with them rushing off to court alleging some... But before he can finish, Melanie's tick interrupts, causing her to scream, Wig! really loudly and we see that the judge is wearing like this god awful <laughs> toupee like hairpiece thing um just really obvious um, yeah. and john swiftly explains that melanie has tourette's and he continues saying it's why she was fired we're dealing with a truly despicable cowardly act here but then john michael higgins corrects saying that well, she was not fired for her Tourette's. And for the record, I'm not comfortable with counsel's <laughs> personal attack. And the judge asks what she was fired for then. And John Michael Higgins says, well, she was discharged because she frightens the children. The stories she writes are scary. Her behaviour startles them. And three months ago, she ran over the school's director with her truck. And John again <laughs> immediately jumps in saying, for which she was acquitted, no specific intent was found. And John Michael Higgins says that that is little consolation to a child. Yes, she drives over people, but she doesn't mean it. <laughs> like, that's, that's quite funny. So then John objects to that sarcasm, but the judge says that he has a point. And he says, um, one of the functions I assume of your client's job is, but again, Melanie interrupts shouting, hair club! And then she does this like parrot squawk type noise and then stutters um, using John's tick saying bikip bikip which of course then sets John off and then he breaks his stutter this time saying Frank Sinatra and just like waving his hands um, and the judge is like Frank Sinatra and John's like I apologize your honor I have a stutter to correct it I sometimes focus on phonetically preemptive sounds Poughkeepsie is one of them being a town in New York it sometimes makes me think of and sometimes say things relating to New York that time it triggered a memory the song New York New York which was sung by Frank Sinatra perhaps you've heard of it and then his nose whistles and he goes to stop it with one hand which then changes the pitch of the whistle so he has to like grab it with the other one as well to silence it and then john michael higgins just goes i have to say i'm not comfortable with any of this I really laughed at that. It's really funny. (laughs) It's very good. Uh, But the judge is like confounded by John, but he says that he could rule now, but he'd prefer not to. He wants the two parties to get together and at least try and work something out. And failing that, the matter again would fall into my, and then Melanie jumps in shouting, hair! And the judge is (laughs) wrong-footed and finishes saying, hair, uh, hands. And then he dismisses everyone. But yeah, as you say, it was very, very funny. Lots of back and forth yes. and catchphrases and classic Tips. John moments. <laughs> yes. So, meanwhile, back at the office, Randy has now come to visit Ling to confide in her that Lisa has been acting erratic and he knows that she came to talk to Ling about something, so he wants to know if she's, like, sick or anything. And Ling's like, 
no, she came to talk to me about her wedding dress. And Randy's like, you're lying. And he asks if Lisa's been having second thoughts. And Ling's like, no, I think she's afraid you might be. She's got this crazy notion that she may not be the girl of your dreams. And then she goes, is she? And Randy just doesn't say anything. And Ling's like, Randy? And Randy says that guys don't always get the girl of their dreams. A friend once told me that. And then he says, does she think I still love you? And Ling asks him if he does. And Randy says that he plans on taking care of Lisa and that he loves her and he plans on making her very happy. Although, in my opinion, he doesn't sound remotely convincing. (laughs) And Ling's like, well, that's great. And I don't think she's convinced either. I think both of them are pussyfooting around the issue. I mean, it's just dawning on me, like, how many couples in Ally McBeal, or rather, how many couples the show depicts as very, like, consciously settling for each other. Do you know what I mean? That reminds me of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It's like, settle for me. (laughs) Yeah. But it's just like, I do think that there are a lot of people that do end up in relationships that they are just kind of effectively settling in. But Mm -hmm. I often, I, I don't think people do it consciously, though. I, I, no, I think it's more like, I like this. I can't be asked with finding anyone else. Yeah, but I <laughs> This'll do, yeah, this, you know. This I'm happy. Fine. It's comfort you know, I know, I know it. <laughs> when you said this is fine, I just like that meme of that dog in the house that's on fire. It's like <laughs> yeah, this, this is, is fine. fine. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like I don't think people when they are actually settling are being like, so I will settle for this person now let's go get married and have our like do you know what I mean like I don't I think there comes a point in relationships there's a couple of points actually but I feel like there's a point at which you decide whether you're committed to each other and you're actually in an official relationship as opposed to just seeing each other um and at that point you have to almost weigh it up and be like do I like this person enough to stop fucking about basically and see if there's anything better on the market um Mm. and if i do then fine let's do it like i'm that's i'm giving up my quote-unquote freedom i'm talking about conventional relationships not like open relationships but like like the price for for um you know being with this person is giving up like saying that I no longer want to look else. anywhere else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's like one moment where you're kind of committing. But then you've got that other moment where you're like, you've been dating a while. What's the next step? And some couples just stay like together and never get married or never even move in together. Like mm. they're just happy doing that. But there comes a point usually after a few years where they're like, do we get married? Do we move in together? Or what? whatever that next level of commitment is, where you're like do I like them enough to be like, no, I really don't care about who else is out there. Like this person is fine and I'm really happy to picture the rest of my life with them. Mm. Like, and I, lo- and I love them. But like, there's two points and I, I, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of people that probably have, that is a version. I think for everyone, it's probably a version of settling just on a, sliding scale do you know what I mean like either some people are just super in love with someone and it's always settling you know being yeah I I don't think many people consciously think 
I can't do better than this. But that is in essence no, what, yeah. what they what do you're saying. feel. If you if yeah. you actually like n- pin them down on it, why they are with this person, it's because you know that like they might get to that realization that they feel that they can't do any better than this person um because they have like low self-esteem or whatever like yeah yeah um, yeah but yeah. but it's all very subconscious like that kind and of I feel settling. like it's often a lot more layered as well because it's like partly that but it's also partly the longer you're with someone it can either drive you apart or you maybe weren't as invested with them to start with. You were sort of, set, sort of as you would say, settling. But then you've been with them for such a long time that actually you have grown to like really, really love them and be really fond of them and not imagine your life without them. Yeah, you can't and see part. But, but you're I, no longer settling. You're, you, just, you just genuinely do that, see them yeah. as like an extension of you. But I, I think, but I think that's what I mean is that I'm kind of like settling I I don't know met anyone I don't think I've met anyone to be like yes I am settling you are not my (laughs) choice I'm still head over heels in love with this person but never mind they do not want me (laughs) so I will settle But that you. is essentially but what's happened in a way. All the time on Ali McBeal, they're so you do. willing to be like. <laughs> You're so right. Like that kind of archetype of a character <laughs> isn't someone you ever really see in real no. life ever. Most of us. Most people would be embarrassed if they realised it. Most people would (laughs) not admit it. Be like, yes, I am. I realise I am settling, and I intend to continue settling. Like, but in a way, (laughs) in a way, anyone who's ever had a previous relationship prior to whoever is now their long-term partner has, like you know, if you've ever had some kind of history in terms of romance, like, that means your current partner is ne- was not your first choice, but just because you didn't meet them first, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's no one's fault. But I think, like, uh, but obviously we're talking about, like, set, like, being like, I can't do any better than this, like, or the real person I wish I could marry, I can't marry for whatever reason, so I am settling... Yeah. For this person. Yeah. Like, th- I've never met anyone <laughs> who is that no, aware I feel like, and that well, vocal about Speaking it. personally, <laughs> I feel like I met Russ, but we didn't get together until much later. And I feel like it got to the point where I was like... I'd been with other people since I'd been with Russ the first time. But it got to the point where I was like, I just don't like any of these other people. I just kept thinking about him and being like... But I'd rather have just been hanging out with him this whole time. And like, <laughs> that's what made it circle back. So it wasn't like I settled for him. It, but it was also like, it was not like I exhausted all my options either. It was just like, I just keep thinking about him. So I might as well just go back to him. Do you know what I mean? Like, here, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's just, is that settling? I don't know. I'll tell Russ no, later. I'm like, just that you know, is. I settled no, for you. I think that's <laughs> you've made an informed decision i think that's what that is 
<laughs> That's probably the best way to do something like that. <laughs> exactly. Try I'm, before you buy. Yeah, exactly. But I'm just kind of like this whole... I had a tasting menu and I <laughs> went with the first thing I tasted back afterwards. <laughs> You're like, I want to become partner in your restaurant. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's, no, it's true though. You... It's just that weird. Like, there's so many characters in Ali with Beale that have this kind of conversation where it's like, yes, yeah, like it do you is, remember the fat is, couple? The well, they he was like, wedding. I'm set. <laughs> I need to make a pass to Ali so that I know that you know I gave it a shot, and if I don't get her, I'll just settle for someone else. That's all for who I'm with now. Do you know what I mean? I, I need to give it one last shot. I know. It's just so weird. It's so weird. I know. <laughs> anyway, so... <laughs> anyway. Um, Ali, Ali also, is still... Also, sorry. Oh. My question as to why Ling dumped Randy, I'm like, is it because he's called Randy? Like, because that's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really common name in the states randy it's really funny. for men and women yeah for i know women as well. it means something different in the uk yeah women we've had an actress called randy on actually the actress called randy played talking of people who settled she played the fat bride that the fat guy was like <laughs> in season one yeah the actress she was, was called, called randy. randy something or other yeah you know yeah what? i think i prefer it as a uh, as a woman's name I think I I think it works you prefer, better you prefer a randy female to a, a randy, randy male to a, I think everyone <laughs> prefers a randy woman to I think a randy everyone man. does yes it's true um. inherently better deal <laughs> the randy man can the randy man can <laughs> mixes it with love and makes the world taste good oh god no thanks <laughs> sit down <laughs> sit down randy <laughs> So let's get back to Ali. Ali is still at Renee's office. I mean, let's hope she didn't have any clients. Let's hope neither of them have any clients because not getting anywhere done. She has about 12 pencils stuffed in her (laughs) mouth as Renee is asking her if she's feeling up to going back to her office. Um, And she's like, are you feeling just as jealous? And Ali nods her head. And Renee's like, an insecure. And Ali nods again. And Renee's like, okay, you stay right where you are then and have a fresh pencil. And she crams another one in there and walks (laughs) off. I don't know what this version of therapy like, is that is Renee's using, Renee's but ever come up with in terms of like <laughs> ways of dealing with Ali. Shut her up. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Melanie and John have made it back to the office after being in court, and they're talking about her losing her job. Um, and Melanie's like whipping around the room complete with swish noises saying the thing is john i'm meeting with a publisher next week my agent is already concerned about me being arrested for murder acquittal aside and if i have any shot at being an author i have to be able to handle book tours and signings and john's like well how does this affect that and melanie says well i write children's books john a reputation that i frighten five-year-olds is not what i need to have (laughs) and john's like well, I'm sorry, but if you were so worried about your writing career, why were you willing to risk conviction and a life sentence only a week ago? And Melanie's like, that was different. And then she ticks a squeal 
And John gets up and is like, oh, you fake that. I know a fake squeal when I hear one. Why this sudden future over your fervor? And then he corrects himself and it's like, why this sudden fervor over your future? And Melanie says she's in a little bit more of an optimistic place now than she was a week ago. And she sort of moves closer to John. And she says, suddenly, life is full of... And John finishes her sentence by saying future and they smile adorably at each other. And John says that he'll try and make this discharge and try and fix it for her. And then they go closer to kiss, but then they're interrupted by Elaine coming in and startling them such that they both sort of jump apart and squeal at the same time, which makes Elaine jump. (laughs) And Elaine just goes... Uh, Mrs. Stiles, the school director, and Mr. Milter, who is John Michael Higgins, um, they're on their way up. And then as she leaves, Elaine looks at them sort of almost like this mixture of like happy and proud. And she goes, <laughs> like a little tiny squeal. <laughs> <laughs> um, so back in Larry's office, he's still arguing with Jamie saying that my problem is that you didn't come here to discuss it, Jamie. You came here just to announce it as a fait accompli. And Jamie insists that no, she came to get his consent. And Larry counters and asks why she didn't just call him. And Jamie's like, because I didn't want to do it over the phone. It involves our son, damn it. And I was like, surely she's done like most other dealings about their son over the phone. Like, why is this? (laughs) Yeah, suddenly, yeah. She hasn't been coming to Boston every time something about Sam's come up. But yeah, anyway... Then, because they keep going round in circles, Jamie suggests that they get lawyers involved and let them handle it. And Larry's like, well, why don't you just move here to Boston? And Jamie says, well, because for the same reasons that Detroit doesn't work for you, Boston doesn't work for me. And Larry says, well, that's not true. You've lived here and you know people here. And Jamie tries to interrupt, but Larry continues saying, you could make a life here easier than I could make one there, Jamie. And Jamie tries to protest, but Larry stops her and says she's just making excuses. And she says, look, Larry, who are we kidding? I mean, we may not have been compatible living together, but as we stand here, we continue to set records for how long we can be alone together in a room without tearing each other's clothes off. And I was just like, <laughs> God's this is sake. not a good line. I don't like this. <laughs> I really hate <laughs> But <Jamie>. then... <laughs> And then she goes to sit next to him because he's like perched on his desk and she sighs and she says, however much I know how wrong you are and however much you love this alley, and I'm sure you do. And Larry shuts her down saying he doesn't want to have this discussion, but she just persists saying, no, let's just add it to the list of great unspokens. And then they look at each other and she says, but here's the biggest unsaid thing of all. For two people who have as much passion for each other as we have and who have a son together, I mean, how can we not? And then she starts stroking the side of his head. And I was like, get your hand away from there. (laughs) But she starts stroking the side of his head as Larry is like, because we know, we know, we know it wouldn't work. And she's like, okay. And then Larry's like, I can't do it again. It would be one time too many. And Jamie's like, okay just tell me that you know it's over. And then Larry like pulls her hand off of his head and looks her dead in the eye and is like, I know it's over. And I almost believed him too until suddenly they start kissing. Uh And I was like, no. But then it lasts a few seconds before Larry tears himself away going, oh no, which I really loved. (laughs) That's the way he said it. He was like, oh no. (laughs) And then... He leaves and Jamie like sits there looking upset. Meanwhile, 
Ali is still at Renee's office, but the pencils have gone and now she's sort of standing up, swaying back and forth. And she's like, why hasn't Larry called by now? And Renee points out that if he was going to call, then would he not be trying to call you at your office? <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, pre-cell phone days. Um, but Ali's like, oh, but then she says, something is up, Renee. I have a radar about these things and I'm emotionally a little psychic. I know that something is up. Now, what am I going to do if he really does love her? And I was like, well, that is the question, isn't it? What <laughs> is she going to do? What you going to do when you can't say no when the feelings of the show boy really well, need to know <laughs> I was like, tell me how to say no to this. I just want to say no to this. Body saying no. My head is no. What does it say? What is it? <laughs> my, God, my mind is so saying helpless. no, but my body's saying hell yes. <laughs> no to this. Oh yeah, it's just oh dear. Please don't no. turn well, me on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All of these things. Yes. No. Um, so. Talking of declarations of love, Randy bursts back into Ling's office just going, I do. <laughs> As in, I guess, love her. Um, but Ling thinks um, that's ridiculous. But Randy points out that she was the one who asked the question. And he says that he loves Lisa and he is willing to walk down the aisle with her. Well, that's bigger than him. <laughs> he guesses that he's not prepared to wonder for the rest of his life whether he had any chance with Ling. So he asks Ling, do I? And Ling says, Randy, there is nothing I enjoy more than seeing a happy couple and coming between them. <laughs> but then she says, Lisa is a friend of mine. And Randy's like, well, that's all I'm asking for is the same honesty that you asked for and got from me. And he says, do you think that we could work out? Do you have any interest? And he says under normal circumstances, he might say to think it over, but he's on a little bit of a clock here. Um, and he says, could you see getting back with me? And Ling just goes, no, and walks away from him. But Randy stops her saying that sounded a little anemic. And so Ling says, not a chance, and walks away from him behind her desk and then says, is that clear enough? And Randy, who is facing the other way, doesn't look at her. And he clearly looks like crushed. And he's like, yeah. And he goes to leave. But then Ling's like, hey, what about the wedding? And Randy says, well, she's the next best thing. I love her very dearly and you're still invited. And then he goes, leaving Ling like alone in the office. And it's like, Ling, why are you? Well, we'll get to this, well, but I'm I was just like, like, why? Why? Like, why? I know he's called Randy, but is he worse than Richard? <laughs> Is he really That's worse what than I was Richard? thinking. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. We get to that when she talks to Nell, but yeah, I'm just like, why are you with Richard and not with these normal men? How how is he worse than Richard? Because he'd have to be like it must be hidden because I've spent barely two minutes with this guy and he's infinitely preferable to Richard. <laughs> Even with him trying to like cheat on his fiance <laughs> yeah. he's still preferable with, with to her Richard. friend who is now her friend like yeah. he still he still seems like the better option <laughs> yes this quite. is a real deep barrel we're scraping the bottom off <laughs> marginally better <laughs> it's true um yeah so in the conference room john and melanie are meeting with the school director and um john michael higgins 
what's his name? Mr. Milton. I just want to call him John Michael Higgins because I think that's a great <laughs> name. Um, but yeah, Mrs. Styles is saying, frankly, I think it's her stories that most do the most damage. She's got that one about the two-headed girl. And Melanie's like, that story is ultimately about tolerance. But Mrs. Styles is like, understood, but one of the heads seems to be evil. And then there's the tale about the hippo who eats children and poops them. And Melanie interrupts to be like, that story is the children's version of the incredible voyage. And Mrs. Styles is like, I do not care. And she says, how enchanting can a journey be when you get pooped through the small intestine of a jungle animal? And at this point, John Michael Higgins jumps in being like, hold on, I'm not comfortable with the two parties having direct dialogue i have to say and john suggests that mrs styles has to admit that there's a slight bias here and mrs styles is like why and john says you're the school director my client has a history of backing up over them you also have to bear in mind you only came to be the director because of Ms. west's vehicular mishap you know she's a good teacher and John Michael Higgins is like, I'm not comfortable with you addressing her. But Mrs. Styles even ignores him saying, the children are afraid of her. And at this, Melanie says under her breath, oh, and they call you Miss Woolman Fuzzy, at which Mrs. Styles is like, there's no call for that. And Melanie says she's um, having a meeting with her publisher next week that wants to do a book of her stories. So it's not the stories. And then she just yells, fat! And then she recomposes herself Um she yells fat presumably because mrs styles is a fat woman um but she recomposes herself and tries to say it's because of her tics and twitches that she's being fired but mrs styles is too busy trying to object to being called fat saying i am not fat and john is trying to say remember the issues and then john michael higgins chimes in over the top being like i'm not comfortable with everyone talking at the same time and then melanie suddenly squeals and falls backwards in her chair and everyone stops talking as mrs styles then goes oh right play the squeal card at which you see john michael higgins like wince and john just folds his arms and goes remarks like that make me see zeros and i was like yes quite yes absolutely Mrs. mrs bigoted styles yeah yes so next um annie has finally turned up to the office um it must be like 5 p.m (laughs) (laughs) is there any point (laughs) she asks elaine if there have been any calls and elaine's like oh no and ali's like no no not one single call (laughs) eh? i said everyone stopped calling for you now they know you're never there to do any work exactly Yeah, and Ali gets snappish. She's like, no, what do you mean no? Not one single call. And Elaine's like, well, one man wanted to know your long distance service. Should I get him back for you? And Ali's like, are you sure the lines are working? Maybe the ring is broken. And as she's like fussing about this, Nell comes past and is like, well, my phone rings. And Ali's like, well, why don't you just go answer it? And Nell's like, bite my head off. And Ali says through the most gritted of teeth, don't tempt me she then storms off into her office and as she's hanging up her coat and as soon as it's on the hanger the phone immediately rings and Ali frantically runs to her desk to answer it going hello hello only for us to hear Nell's voice coming from her cell phone in the doorway going hi sweetie isn't it a relief to know it's working after all with like this big smile on her face and Ali just throws the headset handset at her at which she ducks and runs off only to reveal that larry is right behind her to catch it and he's like good arm and larry walks up to her to give her her handset back and is like are you okay 
and Ali's clearly relieved to see him um, because she then gives him a kiss and she goes, um, yeah, I'm fine. And then she goes, oh, well, well, the truth is I've been having this having this really weird vibe and it's it's not that I distrust you. It's just that I've been having this this really weird vibe for whatever reason that there was something happening between you and Jamie. And Larry comes right out with it saying, uh, well, there was, I kissed her. And Ali, who I was like pausing like through to see the moment that her heart breaks. <laughs> but then she, but there, there isn't really a moment because she just goes straight to anger and she like snippily is like, oh, well, how's, how was that? And Larry's like, well, you know, I started to kiss her, I should say, because, you know, I obviously couldn't. And as I say, Ali's gone straight to the angry stage of finding out your boyfriend has kissed the mother of their child. <laughs> and it's like, oh, well then, there's no problem then. See, because I don't have a problem with the man I'm seeing kissing another woman, so long as he breaks it off within, say, what, four or five seconds? And Larry tries to interrupt to see if they can have a reasonable discussion, but Ali continues saying, no, 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 you know what? I am too old for these kind of games, and I am way beyond men who, who... Now, what do you expect? Do you expect me to give you some badge of honour because you came forward with it yourself? And Larry's trying to get her to stop so that he can explain. But she asks him to leave, saying she's been down this road before. Um, I've been down this road. It's true. It's true. She has been down this road before. <laughs> she should have just wheeled Wanda out and pressed yeah, play. Like, um, on the piano. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she says she's been down this road before. And it's. Uh, she says, but... Like, I really just want you to just go. But Larry's still saying he thinks they should talk. And Larry's like, uh, and Ali's like, no, I can't. I... <laughs> Larry still saying he thinks they want to talk. And Ali's like, no, I can't. I don't want to. And at that, Ali walks to the door and opens it for him to go. But as she does so, it turns out that almost the entire Everyone. office, Mark... John, Nell, Richard, Elaine and Melanie had their ears pressed to the door and they all fall onto the ground in a heap as John squeals. And Larry's just there like, what the fuck? <laughs> but Ali clambers all over them to like leave the room herself um, as they all kind of like then shuffle out after Ali. And Richard is last to leave and he just says to Larry, I was walking by, a tripped, no biggie, and shuts the door, <laughs> leaving Larry alone in Ali's office. I love um, the way, like, you've got to, those falls must be so, like, <laughs> carefully choreographed because they all just, like, yes. spill into her office when she opens the door, and it's so well done. Like, it is, uh, it is. Just, yeah, I wonder whether they had to have, like, lessons on how to fall through doors probably <laughs> i bet they well they obviously rehearsed it yeah. a million times but yeah it's so funny such a it's good like slapstick um so yeah larry's alone in ali's office um and as the shot kind of lingers on him renee starts up singing a song called since i fell for you by someone called lenny welch which fades into this kind of segue montage of renee singing that song at the bar as then Ali walks home glumly, like in the winter Boston streets. Um, and then back at the bar, Nell, Ling and Richard are drinking, kind of all looking really sad at the bar. And Richard is like, a heart will never be practical until it can be made unbreakable. Wizard of Ozism. <laughs> Which I thought was really funny. 
But then even even Nell then says that she feels so bad for Ali and she doesn't even like her. I was like, <laughs> no sleepovers mean nothing to you, Nell. <laughs> <laughs> but then Nell notices that Ling, who's in between Nell and Richard, has just been staring off into the middle distance and is like, are you okay? And Ling replies that she's fine, but Nell can definitely see that something is up. Um, but then Renee continues her song some more as we get more segue montage shots of Ali walking home. And then we drop in on Larry, leaving a message on Ali and Renee's answering machine, asking Ali to pick up. Um, and he's like, please, hello. But she doesn't pick up. So he hangs up and then he just goes great under his breath and puts his head in his hand. Um, and as he's sort of thinking about all of that, Jamie appears at the door to his office oh, again. Fuck off, Jamie. Like, Seriously, Jamie, <laughs> fuck off. Just fuck all the way off. Back to Detroit. Yeah. Um, but she's there and she's like, oh, what happened? And Larry is mad like and is care. like, oh. Like you fucking I know. care. <laughs> I know. He's like, oh, what happened? You happened, Jamie. I told her that you and I kissed. And Jamie's like, oh, well, what did you do that for? And Larry's like, because I don't want to hide anything from her because I want this one to work, you know, because I am. Um... And then he just goes, please just leave. Could you do that? Go to Canada. And Jamie looks upset and is like, wow, you really love this woman. And Larry's like, yeah. I do. And just because I'm still sexually attracted to you, and just because I have a son with you, you and I could never work. And Jamie's like, how do you know? And Larry just goes, because you're not her. I will always love you and you will always be in my life, but she is it for me. And even if it's now over between me and her, trust me, you don't want to be following her because she, she's it. And Jamie's face is just like crushed. And she's like, I'll um, I'll call about um. I'll, I'll think some more about Canada, and I'll call. And Larry's like, okay. And then she finally fucks off. And then we get this like, what? I just love that he's called our bluff and gone like fuck off to Canada. Yeah. Like because it's yeah the fact exactly. That she turns just go. I will, I'll, um, okay, I'll, uh, I'll think more about Canada. It's like, you had no fucking intention Intention. of moving to Canada. You just tried to pull this out the bag to, like, make him come back to you. I know. That's all this was. I know. She's a bitch. She's a piece of work. She's a bitch and a lover (laughs) and a child and a mother. It's true, Melodis Brooks. It's true. <laughs> um, so then um, there's this fade up on Renee finishing like her sad love song that she's singing as Larry leans back exhausted in his chair. Um, so the next day, and I was like, has it really only been one day? Like, Christ, <laughs> this has been an ordeal. <laughs> so ominous music is playing as the sun rises in boston and ali is lounging on the sofa in a sorry state watching facial attraction and heckling the tv um going get him get him yeah. Glenn Close, which i thought was really funny i love um, it it's so and, perfect her cheering on Glenn yeah. Close and facial attraction <laughs> i know it's and brilliant. then renee comes in or like ready for work or business-like and I don't know if you noticed, but this is one of those scenes where you can see the spiral staircase yes! to nowhere yes! behind Renee. Where does it go? Yes. 
Where does it go? But it Nobody seems to knows. Be in Ali's bedroom, do you not think? No, it's in. No, it was through. So she's in the doorway. Oh, sorry. So yeah. So Ali's not on the sofa. She's on her bed. But Renee comes in the doorway, and you can see it behind her it in like, the main living space. I thought it was in Ali's room, and I was like, "Oh, this just gets no." It's more in the main. Confusing. It's in the main living space. It's weird. Yeah. So anyway, We're so all very confused um, by it. Renee, Renee is like got no time for this today she comes in she's like it's time for work and Ali says petulantly I'm sick and Renee's like well you should at least talk to Larry and Ali's like right I'm sure there's a really good explanation she probably got bit by a rattlesnake in the mouth and he was trying to suck the venom out of her tongue and Renee is like ain't nobody got time for this shit she's like got her hands on her hips and she's like Ali he did come to you he was honest enough to and Ali interrupts because she is having none of it she's like he kissed her Renee and this is the early part of our relationship now imagine when we get married and he's required by law to cheat and Renee goes well you should at least hear what the man has to say and Ali's like give me one good reason why I should and Renee then scratches her head and is like, well, because he's standing right here. And Larry like walks in. <laughs> and Re- like, Renee leaves to give them some space. And Larry says to Ali that he wrote her a song. And Ali's face is just thunder. And Larry's like, it's now not a good time. Um, and Ali's like, I hope you came to return your key. But Larry just goes, you know why I'm here. So yeah, Renee's so funny when she's like, I'm not putting up with any of this crap anymore. <laughs> Um, I've lost 12 pencils to you yesterday. I don't have any more to give you. I have to go restock a supply culprit because of you. (laughs) I know. Oh, dear. What's Georgia using? I bet she's gone through all Georgia's pencils as well. R.I.P. Georgia, who we never see anymore. Never see, yeah. And and Whipper. Didn't she start a firm with Whipper? Where's Whipper? Yeah, well, yeah, missing in action. Quite. Ali's bitten through all of their pencils. So at the office, it turns out um, Nell, who has her... I have to just mention Nell's hair in this scene because I really liked it. She's got her hair in like these loose curls and they're like tied up in a low ponytail because I feel like up until now, Nell's like go-to hairstyle has been some form of like really scraped back look or her hair just completely down and her hair completely down is only when she's like off duty but I quite like this like more relaxed hair in the office yeah it looks really nice um so anyway she's managed to get the truth out of Ling because she's like he loves you and Ling's like yes and he wants to get back together and he asked if I had any interest for him and Nell's like well what did you say and Ling says well I well I told him Lisa's a close friend and I have no such interest and Nell's like was that the truth but before Ling has a chance to reply Melanie and John come out of the elevator just as Melanie is ticking going woo really loudly as they walk past Ling and Nell and Ling just goes do you mind some of us have eardrums but John and Melanie just keep walking as John goes repugnant and this was nearly my objection but then John basically objected for me so I changed it but that was repugnant I agree um but yeah but then Nell tries to get Ling back on track and she's like do you still like this guy and Ling's like no no I'm with Richard now and then she does this big sigh and then she goes I might 
And then I'm like, Ling, you don't have to be with Richard. Why do you think you have to be with Richard? I love how Ling, like, cites the fact that she is Richard so much as an afterthought. Like, whenever she's like, you know, uh, the, the, like, uh, uh, the, you know, the suggestion that she might get with with randy like comes up the first thing she says is i'm lisa's friend and i'm not interested she doesn't go and i i'm with richard like he is so much <laughs> an afterthought like it's i know so, it's like that tells you everything <laughs> i know i know um yeah but yeah she doesn't have to be with him like freeling exactly free yourself <laughs> take yourself free um but yeah, but Nell, when she says I might, Nell is like, what? And then Ling drags Nell away to like a quieter corner. And she's like, well, I didn't think so. And I'm sure I don't. But Randy and I were pretty, I mean, he's not Richard, but, and Nell jumps in to say what we're all thinking. Because she's like, oh, come on. Richard has the depth of an ashtray. He's got nothing to offer but money and sperm. And you know it. <laughs> and Ling thoughtfully says that she thinks that that might be what this is all about she says i mean the problem of being with richard is when you comparison shop you see nothing but bargains <laughs> and then <laughs> nell asks ling to tell her she's about like, randy she's like look <laughs> if you're gonna compare richard to other human beings of course he's gonna look like a shit option <laughs> She's like, I mean, he's no Richard, but also he's no Richard. <laughs> it's like, that doesn't make any sense. Oh my god. Um, it's now, like, Ling, now, just listen to yourself. Just listen. Hear, hear the words you're saying. Yes. So Nell asks Ling to tell her about Randy and Ling's like, well, we were engaged. There's nothing more to tell. He's wrong for a million different reasons. And then she's like, my real problem right now is what do I tell Lisa? And Nell suggests trying honesty. And then she goes, we've seen how well that worked for Larry. <laughs> and then Nell is like, Ling, do you want to put a stop to this for Lisa's sake or for yours? And I was like, good question, Nell. Yeah. Nell with the good questions. Well done. <laughs> Nell with the inquisitive questions. <laughs> <laughs> There's that legal brain that we've come to know and love. Um, so yeah, back at Ali's, Larry is insisting that they have to talk this out as Ali is marching into the kitchen and he follows her and he's like throwing his coat on the couch and rolling his sleeves up ready for battle. And he's like, 16 <laughs> year olds make absolutes, Ali. I mean, what? He kissed somebody else? It's over? Life is more complicated than that. And Ali's like, well then, I'm not going to stoop to your maturity level then if cheating. And Larry interrupts and says he isn't saying he was justified. And Ali counters with like, oh, well, that is a wise choice. And Larry tries again saying, Ali, you have to understand something. My situation... And at this choice of words, Ali is riled again because she interrupts to say, Larry, I don't have to understand anything. And by the way, understanding is a very long way from excusing it. And Larry is like, don't you think I want to be with Jamie? She's the mother of my son. All I have to do to be with him every day is to get back with her. And in a fleeting second yesterday, I wanted to believe it could work. If I could just will myself to, God knows my life would be simpler. And Ali's like, so why don't you just do it? And Larry's like, because I love you. And Ali's like, well, fine, fine. That makes it all better, doesn't it? And Larry shouts, did you hear what I just said? I've never loved anybody as much as I love you. And Ali turns around 
And Larry continues saying, I'm only at the beginning of loving you. And you might think the smartest thing for you to do here is just move on. He's got an ex-wife. He's got a kid. He kissed somebody else. Just move the hell on. Well, that's not smart, Ali. It's heart stupid because you love me too. And then Ali like sadly sniffles and is like, but love isn't always enough. But Larry is like, yeah, it is. You go without it long enough and you realize it's everything. And I was like, God, he's good. (laughs) (laughs) Bloody hell. What what did you, what do you think about the way Ali is like reacting to this whole situation? She is acting like a 16 year old, but then that is Ali. Yes. Well, this is it. Because I was getting quite annoyed with her because I was just like, you're acting like a fucking child. Like, uh, you know, just being like she's cutting off her nose to spite her face and that's what teenagers do yeah well it's like just not kind willing of like, to see any nuance in the situation yeah at all. and being kind of like oh well you kissed someone else therefore it's over and it's just like okay but first you know like stop and uh, and also like well then you can't have really loved this guy if you're willing yeah. to throw him away over exactly, a they kiss. throw the baby out with the bathwater. Exactly, like uh, I think, but at the same time, like I don't type... throw the, J- the the Larry out with the Jamie water. <laughs> no, exactly. But uh, at the same time, like I I can see why it would be concerning because it is like the beginning of their relationship. It's a red flag. Yeah, yeah. and and like you know, um, yeah, like it is like a kind of concerning situation but like to just be like you have betrayed me therefore you must be thrown on the 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 junk heap the trash crap heap heap. yeah of of men (laughs) like it's just like oh you're you're kind of like like you say refusing to see maybe the the nuance and like the good person there that's trying to do the right thing yeah it's a complicated situation and to pretend that it's as simple as well you just kissed her it's that's not fair I mean obviously she doesn't owe Larry any slack in terms of you know oh it's fine you know you accidentally kissed your ex never mind like she does deserve to like pull him up on that yeah but to just be like it's over that's it you know, she's like allowed to be fury, hurt. She's fury. allowed to be upset. But yeah, I think but to... it, it's only hurting her to just terminate everything entirely yeah. because of this one, you know, slip up. You do have to weigh it up, don't you? Like, and she's yeah. just refusing to do that right now. Yeah. It's not like it was just some random woman in a bar. It's no. like the mother of his child. child. Do you know what I mean? It's a yeah, bit different. There is a history um, there. Yeah. So... Because uh, Melanie and the school clearly couldn't come to any kind of resolution in that conference room, um, we are back in court and some of the school children are giving testimony about Melanie. So Lucy, um, the girl who John made cry, (laughs) is saying, um, she's a goblin. She makes funny sounds. She barks. She gives us bad dreams and she bites. And the judge, alarmed, is like, she bites? And Lucy's (laughs) like, well, she looks like she does. Oh and God. then John <laughs> John no Michael bitch. I know I know and then John Michael Higgins is like well this is the problem your honor as wonderful as Melanie West may be as a person as a teacher if she even slightly scares the children it's not right and and during 
Michael John Higgins addressing the judge and whilst the judge's attention is on him, John is looking at Lucy and he's like miming, snipping with his fingers. And then John's like, well, can I ask Lucy some questions? And he's like, Lucy, are you afraid of me? And Lucy's like, yes. And John's like, why? And Lucy's like, I'm afraid you're going to cut off my toes. And John's like, <laughs> looks at the judge like, kids, this is the darndest thing. Why would you say that? And then he's like, are you afraid of the judge? And she's like, a little. And John's like, well, why? And she's like, well, I think he killed an animal to make his hair. (laughs) And the judge goes, all right, Lucy, you can go back to your parents now. (laughs) I'm not bad of you. (laughs) And then John Michael Higgins is like, your honor, it's a function of a teacher's job to promote a safe environment for the children. None of us can feel comfortable. But then John interrupts and is like, no, a function of a school is to promote a prejudice-free environment. This woman was fired because she squeals, because she twitches. Those are symptoms of a disability. And then John Michael Higgins tries to interrupt, but John talks over it saying, the court can take notice that you're not comfortable, Mr. Milter, but I'm not comfortable with a school that can see the likes of a gifted teacher, a woman who exudes magic, if you will, and see fit to discharge her, presumably for the benefit of the children. I know the woman sitting over there, and I will say this, if those children's lives are enriched, even a fraction of how much mine has been, just by... And he like catches himself from going too far. Um, but he goes, it's a bad decision to fire this teacher, Your Honor. It's a bad decision. And then the judge turns to Melanie and is like, we haven't heard from you. Like what goes through your mind when children say they're afraid that you're going to bite them? And Melanie says, well, if any of the children consider me to be a monster, that can only come from narrow mindedness, which is a much more dangerous and fundamental disability. And there's like this pointed look at the school director (laughs) and she goes it is precisely for the benefit of those children that I should be kept on and the judge sighs and is like well all I can really do is go with my gut and I can't profess that I've always made a sound judgment and I was like well that's just what you want to hear from a (laughs) text notes judge (laughs) 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 I cannot claim to be any kind of question I should ask is whether I would be comfortable putting my child in her care and he says for whatever reason I would so he overturns her being fired and Melanie is so pleased she like whoops and gives John this massive hug and it's very very cute despite the judge who isn't a good judge couch with her jumper pulled up over her face and she's like saying her piece now to Larry saying 
The problem with putting it behind me is that she will never be behind you. She's the mother of your child and she will forever be in your life. And Larry's like, yes, as the mother of my child. And he's like, I know it's complicated and I've been debating with myself whether I should just move back to Detroit or Canada just to be closer to Sam. But he says the truth of it is I don't have a choice. The biggest part of me is here. And even if I moved away, the biggest part of me would still be here. And Ali's got this like twitch of a smile at the corner of her mouth. And she's like, (laughs) me? And Larry's like, you. And smiles at her. And then he's like, I really did write you a song. (laughs) Really pushing that song there, Larry. Um, So yeah. Over at Cajun Fish, this time Lisa has come back to pay Ling a visit. And she walks into Ling's office and just goes, what happened? And Ling is like, taken aback and confused as to what she's referring to and Lisa's like I know Randy was here and Ling's like listen Lisa if you're feeling this insecure then maybe but she doesn't get to finish because Lisa throws back my insecurity is either justified or it's not tell me and Ling tells her that he said he's never loved anybody nor could he ever love anybody more than he loves you and I was like didn't Billy say that to Ali isn't that like an exact quote for something Billy said to Ali Ooh. I'm like, David E. Kelly, are you just you like reusing lines here? What is wrong with you? <laughs> That's very unromantic, David E. Kelly. <laughs> yeah. But then Lisa is like, did you? And Link's like, no, I wasn't going to do that, Lisa. And I didn't need to. I know him. And I know the woman he wants to spend the rest of his life with. So can we drop all this nonsense? And Lisa is relieved and she smiles and Ling smiles back and everybody's happy. And like, we almost had a moment where Ling wasn't with Richard, but I it mean, wasn't meant to be. So I'm just kind of like, I'm they not might be happy, sh- but I sure as hell am not. <laughs> but I'm not sure what th- you're doing, like Lisa, any favors by fucking lying to her. Like, sh- no. this is like, let her get out now while she's, you know, young and unencumbered by. Or at least be aware of the fact that he has said he's settled. Like, if she knows that, but she's like, well, that's fine by me. I just want to be with him. Then that's her choice. But at least it's an informed one. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Like, I don't... I don't... (sighs) This is all going to end in divorce, like, 15 years from now. I can guarantee it. Just, yeah. So... Back at Ali's, she's sat next to Larry at the piano and is letting him sing his song to her, which is very lovely. And she giggles when he struggles to hit a high note and she gives him a hug and she kisses his cheek as he like continues to play. But here is my thoughts, okay? Okay. Somehow, he wrote this song. It's what the show's trying to tell us, right? The yeah. show is purporting that Larry wrote this song and... Between writing it and like running over to Ali's to reconcile, he somehow thought to and found time to swing by Vonda's house to give her the chords and the lyrics so that she can like learn it and perform it at the bar tonight where (laughs) Ali and Larry aren't going to be because Larry is singing this song and then that fades into Vonda singing the exact same song song. at the bar, which, which, which is also somehow a song called Chances Are, which is a minor single from the soundtrack to an obscure Sandra Bullock movie called Hope Floats that came out in 1998. I call bullshit, Ali. You did not write this song, sir. Good day. 
close. <laughs> anyway, I think we should just insert some of Larry and Vonda singing because the lyrics are nice. That's what I think about that. But anyway, once Vonda takes over at the bar, we get this montage ending, um, like Elaine and Mark and John and Melanie are at the bar dancing tonight, like happily. Um, And then we see Lisa and Randy running out of the church after tying the knot. And Ling is there as her bridesmaid, looking happy for them. And Lisa smiles at Ling before she gets in the car and Randy blows Ling a kiss. And then we get a final shot of Ali and Larry getting it on as Robert Downey Jr. joins Vonda in the vocals and I was like how is he doing both like he can't be (laughs) dressing with Vonda at the bar and fucking Ali at the same time like what is going on Um, like PG sex scene like ever like don't you think like they're barely moving it's very it's very like making love any movement yeah oh my god yeah it is it's it's the like this is we are Making this is love, love making. Tell because <laughs> we're staring deeply into each other's eyes as we move slowly <laughs> and sweatily. Yes. <laughs> well, they're not even that sweaty. There's no sweat. Oh, I thought they were sweaty. That was my memory. Maybe, maybe. Anyway, but then we see <laughs> maybe they a were final sweaty, shot of maybe Ling. They we don't know. <laughs> yeah, who knows? But then Ling is walking down the street home from the wedding with her little bridesmaid's bouquet looking reflective. And then we see Ali and Larry like snuggled up post lovemaking and <laughs> scene. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. Dearie me, That's, there we go. That about wraps up the X Files. Case closed. Certainly does. Close that case and throw it in the sea. <laughs> yeah, I guess I think that segues nicely into verdict of the week. The jury's back. Who yeah. are you finding? I think we might both have the same one. Um, Jamie is guilty yes! AF because she's a fucking yes! bitch and she comes fuck put Jamie, Canada. <laughs> Jamie is guilty of being a little manipulative fucking bitch and her sentence is to be exiled in Canada forevermore. <laughs> yeah. She is banished to Canada, okay? Not just to Detroit, to another no. country. <laughs> over the border she goes. We have Kick no time her. for her. Over the border. <laughs> no more. No more. No more. We've had it. Hit the road, Jamie. Don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Jamie. Don't you come back no more. Honestly, what was she thinking? What a dick. But yeah, Ali and Larry finally <laughs> made love. Oh, but we, we knew they'd already done that. That wasn't a first time. Oh, but it's the first time we've seen it like on camera, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But they yeah, don't. Well, we, yay! They were like, yay, we saw something. <laughs> 
I mean, it's a far cry. I watched the latest episode of um, And Just Like That, the Sex and the City, like, <laughs> reboot. And and there were two penises in that episode. So uh, what, <laughs> it's a far what, cry from that. The latest one? Yeah. In the latest? Oh, I've not seen it, I don't think. No, yeah, I, I the one that I came have. out yesterday. No, I've yeah, not watched it so. yet. Two penises, Eleanor. Oh, my God. Two. Please I actually yourself. had to wind back to be like, is that a penis? And it was. <laughs> so yeah narrator it was a penis so yes I feel I can't believe that the action in that episode only took place over the course of two days I'm I know exhausted. I mean what what a life what what, what a um, life what a life <laughs> um I am very curious to hear what other people feel about Jamie are we a fan or <laughs> not <laughs> I mean, I'd like to speak to whoever is a fan and just be like, I'd like to speak to you. If you are a fan, I'd like to speak to your manager and be like, (laughs) no. (laughs) Retrain this person. Um, yeah, tell us what you think. Um, is uh, was Jamie a manipulative little asshole, or you know, was she just trying to do what was right for her son? Um, let us know. She doesn't give we a fuck are about on. <laughs> <laughs> we are on Twitter uh, at Bygones Podcast. We're on Facebook at Bygones Podcast. We're on Instagram at Bygones Pod, or you can email us at Bygones Podcast at gmail.com we will be back next time in another three weeks with another episode. Um, but until uh, next time, um, bye, guys.